This is episode number seven with serial entrepreneur, real estate investor, trainer, and national speaker, Kent Clothier. Welcome to American Snippets, your source for inspirational, motivational, and selfless stories and interviews from exceptional people across the nation. And now, here's your hosts, Barb Allen and Dave Brown. Hi, I'm Dave Brown, lifestyle entrepreneur, real estate investor, and co-founder of American Snippets. Our goal each week is to bring you an inspiring story or exceptional person who is living, defending, or promoting the American dream. We spotlight individuals who are giving back both in life and in business. And our guest today is not only living the American dream, but he is also promoting it through his education organization, Real Estate Worldwide, and its affiliated companies. Kent Clothier and his organizations have sold over $35 million in real estate investing software, education, and personalized mentoring to students all over North America. His family's investment company, Memphis Invest, sells over 500 turnkey properties a year, and they manage over 3,500 properties in three states for other investors across the country. In 2015, Kent and his family had the distinguished honor of having four companies named in Inc. Magazine's 5,000 Fastest Growing Companies list. And again, in 2016, Kent and his family had multiple companies on that very same list. But things have not always been easy for Kent. At the age of 30, and after building a wholesale grocery company to $1. billion in annual sales, Kent basically lost everything. And a terrifying experience in the air forever changed how he lives his life. I've personally known Kent for almost a decade. And not only is he an extraordinary person, mentor, and businessman, but he's also a loving father, husband, and a terrific friend. He inspired me during my darkest days. He lifted me up. And he's been a guiding light for countless others. And we are honored to have him on today's episode. So get ready to be inspired. Now here's Barb Allen with Kent Clothier. Hi, I'm Barb Allen. Welcome to American Snippets, where we share stories of Americans who have found their purpose in life by equipping others to succeed in business in their life. Today's guest is Kent Clothier. He is entrepreneur, philanthropist, and family man, although definitely not in that order, I would say, based on what I've learned about him. He is CEO and president of Real Estate Worldwide, a multifaceted real estate education company with thousands of students nationwide. He is also part owner of family-owned Memphis Invest, which is Inc. 500's fastest growing real estate company. Kent, thank you for having us here today. We are excited to be speaking with you. Thanks for having me. Glad to be here. I have heard a lot about you from my partner and co-founder of American Snippets, Dave Brown. He has known you a long time. And uh, you have directly impacted his success as an entrepreneur. And his whole attitude is just infectious. And it took me a long time. I was like, where did you get this from? And now I'm studying up on you a little. I'm like, oh, I see where he gets it from. So uh, I guess I, I owe you a thank you too, because through changing, helping him change his life, you're helping him help me change mine. Oh. I, I I appreciate the kind words. Always nice to hear. Thanks thanks for uh, thanks for stopping pausing to say that. No, no, no problem. So let's take it from the beginning. You were just seventeen years old, I guess, when you were part of launching your first business. You mm-hmm. launched the sort of grocery wholesale business, correct? 
Yeah, I don't know. I, I launch is probably a strong word. I, I kind of got pulled along. Um, yeah. My father started the business and by no choice of mine, I was basically told I was going to go into business. <laughs> um, but I fell in love with it quickly. I mean, I, I, I figured out really fast what I was what I was passionate about, what I was good at, what I really enjoyed doing. Um, my father had been molding me most of my life to be an entrepreneur. So suddenly when I was had the chance to um, work directly with him and, and, you know, sit in an office in Memphis, Tennessee, day after day, it was it was something I, I mean, I just kind of I went for it. So your dad started that. Did he, did he have capital to start that? Did he have to loan? Were you a part of that process? Did he teach you how he was starting that or did he just yeah, start it? Yeah, I mean, I was there. I was there the day one, right at the front lines. He, he had a reputation. We, we had grown up or let me, let me back up even further. My father had been in the grocery industry my entire life. Okay. Right. And so he had done, he had built, um, uh, a, a reputation for running stores, for owning his own stores. He had been a corporate executive, very, very successful in Dallas, Texas, with a very large um, grocery retail operation as well as a wholesale operation. So he he had spent most of his life already in the grocery industry. And when we had moved to Memphis, Tennessee, he was approached by a third party that was willing to basically fund the company, finance the company if he would be the guy out in front and start a Memphis uh, division. And that was really how it got started. He, his reputation preceded him, and it gave us the opportunity to access capital to actually go off and start the business. Okay. Were you in high school at the time? Had you graduated? I was. You I got- was in high school. So going there every day after school, all the weekends, all that kind of good stuff. I mean, I was, like I said, I was living and breathing it from the moment I, uh, from the moment I could. So... That's actually kind of interesting. So were other kids, I mean, were your friends all out and about doing their thing and you were, were you like, yeah. oh, I got to go work today or were you kind of all about it after a while? Um, probably, you know, I'm not going to sit there and tell you that I wasn't, I mean, I was a kid. Yeah. So was I certainly uh, a little jealous of my friends that that were out partying and having a good time and doing all that kind of good stuff? Of course, naturally. Um, my uh, All my friends were running off and going to college and, and I was staying there in Memphis and attempted to go to college for a semester and figured out real quick that it wasn't anywhere near as fascinating or as much fun as what I was doing by working. Um, at that time in my life, I was, I was really, um, seduced by the money part of it. Right. I mean, I was 18 years old when I bought my first house. Um, you know, I'm driving around in very expensive car when I'm 18 years old, 19 years old, and all my friends are going off and doing their thing. But ironically, fast forward about four years later, all my friends that went off to college and came back and tried to get a job, I couldn't find a job and they all came to work for me. So I had no regrets. So how do you like me now? (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Funny how you guys enjoyed life and I sat here and built the business. So now, you know, I'll be your employer. It was what it was. Awesome. So you were 30 years old when you decided to quit that business? Yeah, I uh, I quit is probably, yeah, it's the right word. Retired. Basically, I, <laughs> I, I got, the company had turned into a really big organization. I The company was out of Memphis, Tennessee. We were bought by a much larger competitor down in Boca Raton, Florida. They recruited me and my wife at the time to come down to Florida. Ultimately, I ended up running the entire organization uh, so, you know, this little thing that we'd started in Memphis, Tennessee, I, you know, I was 20, I think I was 27 and suddenly I was running an $800 million year company. And by the time I was 
thirty, it was one point eight billion. Wow. Um, so it was it was not your average twenty seven, twenty eight, twenty nine year old you know experience. Um, and I one hundred percent believed that it was all because of me. I mean, you could not tell. All you had to do was ask me how great I was, and I was more than willing to tell you. <laughs> um, and so. I basically had got into a run-in with the the owners of the company when I was 30 years old, had a difference of opinion, and in about you know 30 seconds, just decided that I wasn't going to do this anymore. They they were going to regret um, ever letting me walk out the door. And again, all of the all of their success was because of me. Again, all you had to do was ask me. So I was bound and determined to go off and do my own thing and own the whole thing and start all over. So, so that was that was a journey that did not end well. No, I, I saw that you have quite the arc in your story, but it, it's actually it's very inspirational and it's helped helped you become who you are today. So that that was obviously a big decision that changed the trajectory of your life. And at that point, it didn't go in the direction that you wanted it to go. Do you are you game to tell us a little bit about what happened sure, after sure. that? I mean, uh, there were many many years where I didn't talk about my failures. Uh, because I was just so ashamed and so embarrassed. Now I find it as probably the single biggest strength that I've got, and um, I think there's a lot to be gained from it. Again, I was I was compl- I had built a business all at the expense of a family, all at the expense of every friendship, you know, everything. Every, the business was my entire life, and a really valuable lesson that I learned was that when the only thing you're fo- focused on is money and you know pride and all that kind of good stuff. It's it's pretty shocking how fast that can all be gone. And I had no perspective on that. I literally did not realize that that could, mm-hmm. was even a possibility. And uh, when I walked out, I spent roughly two years and millions and millions of dollars um, proving how bad of a businessman I really was. <laughs> and it was, I mean, it was just that simple. I basically went out and started a competitor, decided I was going to, you know, go after my former employees our employers, all of his employees. I was going to try to hire everybody away. I was going to try to get all of his customers. I was going to do everything I could to build my business uh, in spite of his and at the expense of his. And um, he just defended his business as I would expect anybody to do and wasn't going to go away quietly. And we ended up fighting, you know, in the trenches on a business standpoint, on a legal standpoint. And this is a guy that had hundreds of millions of dollars. So his ability to play the game was very different than mine. And, you know, fast forward two years later, I basically I had lost everything. I mean, I, I actually should have filed bankruptcy. I mean, the bankruptcy laws are, de- are designed to protect the very situation that I found myself in. But I had too much pride to do that as well. So I just paid everything off personally to make sure everybody was made whole and then ended up with about four grand in the bank after two years. And it was pretty humiliating. After having all that money, you were down to four thousand dollars. Where were you? Um kind of emotionally at that point in your life were you uh, I was suicidal yeah. was exactly where I was I thought that there's that that surely that um it would be less painful to do that than to go through what I was going through and it was really really dark it was really scary it was not pleasant um I had a young son at the time and I was Thank God I did, because it's probably the single biggest reason why I just decided there was there had to be a better solution. I was very fortunate that my wife now, but my girlfriend at the time, you know, gave me a helping hand and said, hey, why don't you move in with me and let's just kind of start over. Uh, she had she had actually worked for me at my at the grocery company 
So she had seen me at my highest and suddenly she was seeing me at my lowest. And it takes a really special individual to say, hey, I've seen you on top of the world making millions of dollars and, and doing all this great stuff. But I, you know what? I'll step in and help you when you're at your absolute most destitute. And uh, so I moved in with her, you know, and, and quickly things started changing. I saw one of those late night infomercials of how to get involved in real estate. It's really challenging for me to talk too too much about those those commercials or say anything harsh about those commercials because the reality of it is, is I would not be where I am today if it had not been for that. I saw one and uh, just went to one of those events and made a decision to get involved, which was really scary because I didn't have any money. Yeah. Um, and that kind of started, started me down a path that was, you know, begin the process of changing my life. And you found, you found pretty quick success in there or a very quick, um, return on your investment in faith and what was at that yeah, time, I, a quarter yeah, I mean, worth that you invested. Right. Yeah. That's why, I mean, my big thing, right. The thing I tell people is the time is now that you have to take action and you've got to do things to that really scare you. And there's, there's, you cannot be risk adverse. You have to go for it. And all of that comes from, you know, this experience as well as others. But, you know, if I look back and I say that if I had been, you know, if I'd given into my fear at that moment and said, I can't, do this. Um, you know, yes, it's a thousand dollars to go buy this course. And here I only have four grand in the bank. And you know, that I had basically every other investment I'd made for the last two years I'd lost on. And so here I was, um, very, very leery and certainly not in a really good place mentally, but I did it anyway. And when I was, I was very quick. Well, let me put it this way. I was highly motivated, which is a key indicator, which is a key factor here. I was tired of being broke. Uh, the system that I was that I bought was as basic as you could get. It was once I understood the mechanics of it, it was it was very straightforward. Uh, and so it was just a matter of applying it and just being a matter of getting out of my own head and being just motivated enough to say, what have I got to lose? So the, that's when you get into that place and you're willing to take actions to your point, the return came very quickly. I mean, I did my first deal in less than a month, made eight thousand dollars on it and the rest you know, I started quickly down a path. I did 91 wholesale transactions in my first 18 months, made over a million dollars. Um, so all the experience leading up to that, it taught me how to be a really, I mean, how to be an entrepreneur, what it took. Losing it all taught me how to get back on top and do it the right way. And so um, once you kind of, that all the perfect mixture was in place, just enough motivation, just enough humility and just enough inspiration, it, it would be pretty shocking what you could do. Can you tell us a little bit about those 21 days? It's a lot of people will start something and get frustrated very quickly when they don't get that return. I know this. I can be one of those people sometimes. Sorry, Dave. Uh, but, uh, you know, it can be very discouraging. And a lot of times people will allow that discouragement to be their their excuse to quit and just, just give up. So 21 days is faster than most people will find a return. Uh, on something that they have started, you know, people will write a book and think it's going to be a you know, bestseller instantly, or they're going to open a bakery and think that they're going to make a million dollars in the first month. Right. So can you tell us what happened in those 21 days? What did you do? Were you working 24 seven? Did you just invest every moment or every breath into that business? Like what yeah, allowed you? Absolutely. That That's exactly what happened. I mean, at the end of the day, success was, uh, not promised and success is never promised. 
but neither is failure. And I think that having gone through a lot of years of building a business, having gone, having been raised by a father that was highly entrepreneurial, right? I had, I had zero appreciation for it. Even at this time, I had zero appreciation for the way I had been brought up. Now that I've gotten much older, I, I absolutely appreciate what he did for me. But having that just ingrained in me that, that good isn't good when great is expected, that nothing is promised to you, the world owes you nothing, that you are absolutely a product of the effort that you put into it. Go out there and act like it matters. That kind of thinking, um, it's very difficult to beat somebody when they have that kind of thinking. And that just came very naturally to me because it's the way I was brought up. But to your point, that doesn't come naturally to most people. Uh, that takes a lot of discipline. That takes a lot of absolute you know, self-reflection, understanding that the most powerful tool you've got is in between your ears. And it can win the game or it can lose the game before you ever do anything, right? It will ultimately determine the amount of effort you'll put into it. So um, I just, again, at that particular moment, it was not a matter of whether or not or whether or not I was going to do a deal. That was never a question. It was, it might've been a question of how quickly I was going to do it, but I was going to get the deal done. I was going, or I was going to die trying. It was going to go, it was going to one or the other. And Again, when you have that kind of inevitability, when it's when success is a foregone conclusion, then you can't lose. People, I think, have a tendency to create false timelines. Um, I mean, it sounds it sounds. I mean, if I if I today went off and said uh, I want to train, well, I'll give you a great example. This perfect example. This is my younger brother is training to run a hundred mile ultra marathon. Right, he's going to run it in roughly a month from now, and. And when you hear somebody that's going to train to run a hundred miles and they've never run a marathon ever, it sounds insane, right? But if it would sound even more insane if it, during his training, if he went off and basically said, well, if I can't run a marathon by the third week of training, then you know what? This is just a big scam. These guys don't know what they're talking about. If he doesn't listen to his coaches, if he doesn't listen to trainings, he doesn't. Listen, if he if he came in with this false, uh, you know, understanding of what was possible or what the regiment needed to be, and he basically said, "Listen, if I just if, if you guys can't get me to a place where I can run a marathon in 21 days, then I don't believe anything you say." It would sound utterly insane if if he said that, but yet people do it all the time with business, all the time with anything. They go off and bring these preconceived notions of what success looks like in the timetable that they conceived without any real understanding of what should or could or shouldn't happen. And so I think it's really dangerous to, to go into stuff like that. I think you basically have to say, I'm going to go as long as it takes, period, because it's my dream. And then in those first months, in that first year and a half after you then started your own business, you did was it 91 wholesale deals in 18 months? So right. How did you do that? Did you have a staff? Were you doing it all on your own? Did you have a partner? No. Did you? It was all me. You did all that me. all I, on your own? Yeah, I hustled. Using what you um, had learned. Yeah, I hustled. That's all I did. I, I was so addicted to the money. Uh, and I had come, you say, uh, you know, we've all probably heard this, but it's really interesting when you hear that once a mind is expanded, it can't contract. So I had, I had, I knew what, uh, success felt like. 
I knew what, I mean, I had grown up in it. I had lived it for almost 13 years. I knew exactly what it felt like to live on the intracoastal in Boca Raton, Florida. I knew exactly what it felt like to drive the fancy cars and have the nice watches and to go to the nice dinners and travel around. I knew exactly what all that felt like. And so my mind was expanded. And so suddenly when you don't have any of that stuff and then you have an opportunity clearly to make money and a path to having that back, that was my path. So it was like, I don't care. I'll work. You know, now, now that I know that I can actually do this and I don't need any other people and I don't need my, uh, grocery background and I don't need all my grocery contacts. I mean, which was great because I'd burn all those, you know, I burn every one of those relationships to the ground. Suddenly I could do this without anybody. It was just a product of my effort, my marketing, my abilities, my willingness to hustle. I could make a lot of money. And so I knew I wanted to make it. So I just kept moving. And so, uh, your personal life then had rebounded as well. You, were you remarried at the time? I had just remarried, yeah. um, and started, started down. A, I mean, we were you know living an amazing life. Basically we had bounced back. Everything that we had wanted was suddenly coming true again. Um, we were in the run up right before the recession. So we're in South Florida. So money was basically free. So going off and acquiring properties and building business. I mean, the, uh, everything was, everything was going good. Yeah, absolutely. Good. And that means a lot too, because she had built that with you. So you, you know, you were strong in business. You had a very solid marriage and family life. So everything was just all of your hard work, all the angst you'd been through was finally sort of behind yeah. you and things were looking good. And then one day you got on a plane and you had this experience that I think it, it sounds like it sort of changed things even more for you where you had an even greater wake up call and awakening. Can you tell us about that? Sure. Sure. Well, I, I, would, I would even go back one step further than that. The first real wake up call to me was when we were about to have my daughter, my first daughter. And I suddenly realized that I, that I owned a job, right? Which was very humbling for me that if I, that if I stopped, uh, the money stopped and it was a real epiphany for me that I owned, that I owned a job. I didn't own a business. And so I really got serious about putting systems and processes and things in place like that to try to begin backing myself out of it. So where I had the option to work, but I didn't have to work. So that was, that was pretty eye opening for me. The second thing was that, um, as you said, I had an experience on an airplane, um, which is, uh, maybe many people have had this, but for me, it was very, very eye opening where I, was on a plane, uh, flying from an event, um, that I had just put on, uh, in Memphis, Tennessee, my wife and, um, now I guess this is five years later. So my wife and my five-year-old daughter at this point are on the plane with me. And at this point we've got a very successful business in multiple ways, right? We have an investing business. We have an education business. We have a software business. Things are really, really going well, uh, all the way around. We had, we had come out on the other side of the recession. Things were going, you know, again, we, we felt like we'd had a lot of stuff figured out and, um, we're on the plane. My daughter and my wife were actually sitting a few rows behind me because they had booked their, their itineraries at a different time than I had. They were actually, um, coming to meet me at the event, right? Kind of surprised me. And so long story short, we're coming home and as we're on the plane, they're sitting a few rows back from me and suddenly the plane fills with smoke. And, um, not something you ever want to happen. I can assure you. Right. So when the plane fills with smoke, um, to make matters much worse, the crew basically freaks out. Um, and it just goes into sheer panic mode. The plane goes into a dive. People are screaming, people are crying. And 
in a very, very, very real way, um, I'm facing my mortality. Um, and the most, it was absolutely no question, the most humbling experience I'd ever been through in my life. Right. When suddenly the, you are in zero control and you understand you're about to be a statistic. And, uh, unfortunately or fortunately, depending on how you look at it, in all of the mayhem and all the chaos and all the nonsense that's going on and people screaming and the buzzers going off and the, uh, you know, the stewardesses, you know, just trying to calm, calm, bring calm. I can really only hear my little five-year-old that is again, five rows behind me crying and screaming for daddy. And I can't do anything to get to her. Uh, again, because we are diving and, you know, they don't tell you when you get on an airplane that if the plane is on fire, that what they're going to do is send it into a nosedive because they might feel like, cause they feel like it's might be on fire. That's not, that's not part of the uh, little itinerary that they walk you through, right? You learn <laughs> yeah. that I've learned that since yeah. that that was actually standard operating procedure, but I didn't know that then. And so, uh, it was a very, uh, panicked, crazy, crazy, crazy situation, uh, we ended up making an emergency landing. We were we were going from Atlanta to West Palm Beach. We ended up making an emergency landing um, into Tampa, Florida, and getting off that plane as fast as we could. Man, thank God we landed and everything 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 worked out. Obviously, or we wouldn't be talking here. Um, but I, you know, it was so real for me that I actually filmed a, a video on my phone to my son, telling him goodbye. Um, and that I carry around with me to this day. And you can see the panic that's on my face. You can see whenever I play that video, you can see the, uh, the smoke in the cabin. I mean, it's, it's, you can hear the buzzers. I mean, it's, it's not a pleasant experience, but what it did for me is it brought an amazing amount of clarity, right? Um, losing that business really over the years helped me to realize what was important um, the second thing is, you know, again, realizing that I owned a, uh, a job and not a business was really important because it made me focus on things. This was a kind of the last, last straw of you will that, um, I'm not in the business of business anymore. I'm in the business of collecting moments, creating amazing memories for my children, leaving a legacy, making an impact, doing whatever I've got to do. My business uh, serves me, allows me to do that, helps me to do that. But, it, but I'm not in this for, um, building the business anymore. So that, um, authenticity, I think is something that you can only really possess if, if you're actually authentic, you know, a lot of people try to portray themselves as authentic. Um, but you, it's evident when you watch that video on your website, when you hear you talk, uh, it is, it's clear that you're speaking from someplace very deep, you know, that you, that you mean it. And that is something that I know, I mean, through personal experience and through other people like you, I've spoken to when you have that moment, when that is something that never leaves you. And some people take that and it, it does something to them that they never recover from and takes them down. And other people take that and, use that as a momentum to push them forward. And you clearly are somebody who use that as momentum to, to push you forward. And it's, it's captivating almost. It's inspiring. When you hear you talk, you see the energy. So you, you take those lessons that you learned in that moment in particular, and you took that new philosophy and you applied it to your business into real estate worldwide to sort of help other people maximize every moment in their life too. Right. So You've helped them create a life for themselves where they can provide for themselves and their family without 
being slave to that time clock or um, right. to, to a life that just makes them miserable. Can you share with us a little bit how about how some of those principles, those core concepts about time being so valuable, how you've parlayed that into your, into your business and how it's helping people across the country change their lives through it? Yeah, absolutely. So, so in my business, right, I, I, there are plenty of people out there, um, thousands, if not tens of thousands of people that, that are qualified to teach people how to go buy and sell properties, right? How to flip properties and make a little bit of money and how to, how to do the transaction, how to, how to make things happen. Right. So, um, we are no different than anybody else, right? We, but our philosophy is exceptionally different in that we believe that if you are doing that and you're backing yourself into a job and, and your purpose is to go from transaction to transaction to transaction, go somewhere else. Mm-hmm. Um, our, I, I, I don't, I don't, I have no desire to teach anybody how to do that. What I, what I'm very passionate about is helping people understand that the clock's ticking, baby. I mean, it's happening right now. And whether you like it or not, it is ticking on you and you need to get in a hurry as fast as you possibly can to wringing everything out of life that you can. So don't go, don't make the mistake of building a business that backs you into a corner. Don't make the mistake of, of putting yourself in a situation unknowingly to where you don't have, you, you no longer have control. You, you, you are caught in that same trap over. I feel like I was put in these situations, um, to learn those lessons. So, and then I was given a platform or help create a platform. It's probably a better way to say it that I, I can scream from the rooftops and I can get a lot of attention. I can get, you know, hundreds of thousands of people to pay attention and say, you don't have to do this this way. It doesn't have to be this way. You can do, you absolutely not only have the ability to go off and create an amazing income for yourself, but you absolutely have the way to the the ability to do it in a logical, methodical way, using systems, using processes, using people to do these things for you, creating a culture around you to where people are are inspired and and lift you up and push you to where now the business you've built gives you options, not the other way around. And so if you want to go on that amazing trip, if you want to go, you know, on that amazing family vacation, if you want to do whatever you want to do, it's there. And I believe that people should be living their lives to create those things, not the other way around, trying to fit them in. And so, you know, I, I absolutely could be wrong, but I'm extremely passionate about it, right? I mean, every day we live the same motto over and over again. The time is now. Do not waste this chance. Um, I've seen too many times where people believe that time is on their side. And in the blink of an eye, it's changed. I mean, that airplane ride, in the blink of an eye, my entire life was changed. Uh, it could have easily gone the other direction. And I could have, you know, had the moments to reflect and, and be filled with regret. And I just refused to do that. And I don't think anybody should have to do that. So. No. So one one thing that I saw on your website, I think it was, um, it's a little different philosophy than most people. Generally, people don't like to get fired but you are a fan of firing yourself. So, um, you know, you want to fire yourself from the jobs that you don't necessarily care to take, take your time to do. You want to find another way to get that work done so that you can focus your energy and your time on pursuits that are more meaningful to you. Right. So, um, is this a, so you've developed those systems around that premise where people don't have to spend their time doing those things they can learn those systems that will do that work for them and allow them to free up their time to focus on other pursuits. Does that 100%. sound 
Right. Yeah. So, so basically the, 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 you know, our, I had a mentor, I can't claim this. So I had a mentor share this with me a long time ago and I've just never forgot it. And I've lived my life by it where he has told me that, um, if you want to be successful, then your job is to fire yourself as often as you can. And what he meant by that is that you can never have freedom as long as you are, as long as the entire business has to run through you. And I've come to appreciate that, you know, uh, you do it wrong enough, long enough, you'll figure it out. So I did it wrong for a lot of years and I don't do it wrong anymore. I, I run a business where it largely can run if I choose without me. Now I'm extremely passionate about the business and I'm extremely passionate about working with our clients and our students and, you know, going off and creating impact out there. And so this is what I choose to do with my time. I can't imagine doing anything else with my time that, you know, outside of this, but it's, it's different when you get to choose to do that. And, you know, again, get to live your passion versus having to do something. If I don't do this, I don't get paid. And so that requires, um, starting with the end in mind that just requires discipline that requires fully appreciating processes, fully appreciating automation and systems and the power of people and leverage. I mean, there's, there's the, the mechanics of running a successful business are are fairly basic. I mean, I just there's a lot of elegance in making it simple. And but there's also a lot of money to be made in making it r- seem really, really tough. And so I think there's there are a lot of people out there who get sucked into this trap of believing success is very challenging, that, that, that it's this. Oh, my God, I've got to go build a business and suddenly I'm going to have employees and then the government's going to want to. Ta- I mean, they get they get. All of this stuff going on rather than just focusing on putting one foot in front of the other and focusing on what do you really want out of life? What would you really do with your day if you could? If you if you didn't have to show up for work, what would you do now? How do you go and create that? And when you start breaking it down for people and showing them just how simple it is through these processes, uh, it's pretty cool. A lot of light bulbs go off. Do you get to hear back from your students on how things have changed for them since they've started incorporating the techniques and systems that they learned through real estate worldwide. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, we get it. We have it. We get it every day. We have uh, testimonials that roll in every single day. Um, and it's always, and it, not to mention the least of which the most, the, the best testimonials, uh, you know, I'll be candid is when from time to time we'll do a live event and we'll get a lot of our clients or students, you know, and their guests into a room, whether that's in San Diego or Phoenix or wherever. Right. And so when we do that and you have people run up to you literally in tears, people that I've never met, I've never even had a conversation with, quite frankly, mm-hmm. uh, but they run up to you in tears. And because of social media, because of all the video trainings, because of, you know, everything that's going on, that they truly feel like they know me. Uh, and so it's a very weird connection that you have. And, but at the same time, when it's right in front of you, it's also very, very real. And when somebody walks up to you, like I, this happened to me not too long ago, I had somebody walk, a young lady walk up to me with, with her daughter, um, telling me how she was living out of her car a year ago. And now here she is in North Carolina running a business that she'll make in excess of $300,000 this year. I mean, a wow. 180 degree change. And brings up her daughter and, I mean, just talk about it, it's choking me up. I mean, uh, you know, crying in front of me, hugging my neck and her daughter telling me, and I, don't, I don't, and I don't know these people, but there's certainly a connection there. Yeah. And they certainly feel like they know me and they've followed what we've told them to do step by step by step. And they've done it and they've been on our trainings and they've been on our videos and they've, you know, engaged with us. And um, 
it's, it's a pretty magical thing. And I can tell you that's the entire reason we do it right there. Do your kids get to see that, that their dad does this and does it? I mean, I would imagine it would feel pretty awesome to show this to your kids and to you know, teach by example, kind of, um, do you think it's changing them to see them? Well, yeah, help, I mean, my, my, them, I my mind, yeah. in my right mind, do I believe that my kids are, are, are probably very different than most of their friends and realize that, that we do something very different than anybody else they know? Yeah. But to them, I'm still dad, right? I mean, to my little girls, I'm, you know, to my three-year-old, I'm the, I'm the greatest guy in the world. And to my 11-year-old, I'm quickly becoming the dad that she doesn't want to be around, right? So it's... <laughs> So I'm just a normal dad, but, but they do get to come to the events and they do. And my son gets to come to the events and they get to see it and they get to hear it. And so I, I, yeah, I, I, I've never actually paused and said, Hey, do you guys, you know, think dad's cool because of what's going on? It's never been like that, but I can tell you that, um, you know, my son is now 24 and he works in inside of our Memphis invest operation in Memphis, Tennessee. And I think he, I think he finally gets just how, how special all this really is and the, and the kind of uh, ripple effect that it has. And I hear nothing but great things on a daily basis from everybody in Memphis about him and the, and the job he does and how good he is at it and, and, and how respectful he is. And so I think he's, I think he is truly appreciative and sees that this has the ability to, to really have an impact. So another very important part of what you do and what you believe in is giving back Yes, you've started. Can you tell us a little bit about your the Time Is Now project? Yeah, the Time Is Now project is a is a charity that we run. That is, I well, back up a few years ago, I had the opportunity of an, a, a mentor um, take me to Haiti, um, and I had never done anything like that. And he basically, I wasn't asked to go. I was told I was going quite frankly. Um, and was like, listen, you're, you, you need to go do this. We're making this happen. So he and I and several others went down to Haiti and we, and I got to see firsthand what, um, real desperation looks like, what real poverty looks like, what, um, I mean, it's, it was a shocking experience. Uh, and I would highly encourage anybody that, ever needs a reality check to get on a plane and go to Haiti, go with one of the missionary groups, go with your church, go whatever, because it is a humbling, humbling experience. And so for me, watching an eight-year-old little girl walk up to me and beg for water was was a shock to my system that that I won't soon forget because at the time my daughter was eight as well. And coming home and watching my daughter just go to the refrigerator and get a bottle of water and whatever else she wanted, right? You know, it's just crazy the stuff we take for granted. And so that had a real impact on me and my business partners. The big, the big challenge was, is that unfortunately, we also learned that a lot of the missionary groups and the charities that are responsible for helping, um, are just not run like businesses, quite frankly. They're, they are, they are really, really poorly run and the money doesn't necessarily make it where it's supposed to. And not that there's anything fraudulent or going on. It's just, it's just ignorance, quite frankly. And so we decided to start the time is now project and our entire efforts is focusing on children's charities on providing resources, uh, as well as money to children's charities that we find worthwhile or that are run the right way. Uh, and up to including them, and we have our own 
a little project that we like to support year-round called 1,000 Layaways that we started where we go off and pay off layaways um, in our local community for um, families that are in need. Again, really focusing on children because, uh, you know, just the innocence of it all is is just a really – big deal to me. I mean, I just can't, I mean, this, just the, when you, when you witness stuff like that and you see kids that are just put in such unfortunate situations by no, by they, they didn't do anything. Mm-hmm. Um, and their parents are working as hard as they can and doing everything they can to get it taken care of. And, you know, they're having to choose between food or presents or whatever. And they're going and putting something as small as a hundred dollar gift for Christmas on layaway. And at the last minute, still haven't figured out how to get it paid off. To step in there and pay that off and let the parent be the hero. Let Santa Claus still exist, right? We do it all anonymously. We don't, you know, um, we've had some people track us down over the years, but we do it, typically we do it all anonymously and and they don't ever know who who or how it happened. Um, I just think it's a really, really cool, impactful way to to make a difference in the community. And what's really cool is, especially in the last year, it's really caught on. I mean... Mm -hmm. We had many of our students and people all over the country to kind of take our lead or follow our lead and go and do the exact same thing. And um, our hashtag 1000 layaways was was definitely ranking there for a long time as thousands and thousands of families across the country were doing the exact same thing. So a lot of cool stuff going on like that. So uh Dave has been doing that for a couple of years and he got me into that this past year, I will tell you. So we went to a Toys R Us and and paid off a layaway and it was pretty fun. And so I came home and I posted, I said, Hey guys, we did this layaway thing. And I did the hashtag as layaways. And I told everybody about it and, um, and people, somebody on my site saw it and put it on someone else's and very quickly in the community, the dots were connected and somebody came forward and said, Oh my gosh, that was me. And, um, you know, so within hours, the person whose layaway we had paid off, figured out that it was me. I'd never met her. I still haven't met her. I, I didn't want to. So on the site, I didn't like have my name put out there, but I allowed the person to connect us private message. And she sent me a message, which was just amazing and so sweet and nothing I had intended. I posted it to try to get other people to do the same. Right. And right. one person said, oh, this is great. Now I'm going to go pay off somebody else's layaway too. So that was actually a pretty special thing. And I'm absolutely doing it again this year. And hopefully we can get some more support for that as well. But I can tell you as my life has flipped a little bit. So this year or last year, I'm paying off a layaway. Years ago, through a lot of crashes of my own, I had been in a position where I was struggling to put Christmas together for my own children. And I had somebody come forward and help me just bridge that gap until my I had all this stuff lined up, but it wasn't coming through for a couple of months. And they helped me bridge that gap. And I was able to give my children Christmas that year. So I know firsthand what it's like to be that sort of desperate and embarrassed and, yeah. uh, you know, and upset and fearful, and then have somebody come through and help you bridge that gap. And now getting to see your, your end doing the thousand layaways, you gave me an opportunity. I, I mean, I could have done it on myself, but I probably never would have thought of it. It's such a, it, it's such a simple concept really with a huge impact. So I, I never would have thought of it. So getting to participate in that on my own and see the results firsthand, I'm like, Oh, I see now like why this is so awesome. So I'm already excited yes. for Christmas next year and can't it's wait to crazy, see. crazy, right? I mean, you just can't even, yeah. you wouldn't think that something like that could be that impactful. But 
um, to, you know, kind of exactly what you were saying. We had somebody that tracked us down this year. It's the first time it's, it's ever happened. And suddenly we had news crews calling us and the news was at her house and everything. I mean, it was, it was, we were doing everything in our power to stay behind the scenes and the right. news teams were doing everything they, they could to, to out us. You. Yep. Um, but it was, it was really, really, uh, it was interesting to see it. The first, it was the first time that we had actually seen it live, right. Where somebody was really struggling, didn't know how it was going to happen. And it, and our efforts helped to create a situation on their end where, and they'll hear her kids, um, talking about, you know, Santa helped to do the, I mean, it was just a really, really cool situation. And, and it, like you said, it's, it's, it just takes a little bit of effort. I mean, you, and what I don't think most people realize is that well, we were paying off layaways that were $12 left, right? Yeah. I mean, we were very fortunate this year. We, we raised enough money to go in and pay off every layaway in the store that we went into all at one time, roughly $10,000. But there were layaways in there that were $12. I mean, the oh. difference between having Christmas and not having Christmas was going to be $12. Yeah. And that's just that. I mean, it's just so simple to create such massive impact and create and and give people hope. Give them a little bit of, you know, make them give them a little bit of faith, because I, I can tell you as an entrepreneur and as every and as a man, as a father, as a brother, that without hope, without a little bit of faith, then all the rest of this is kind of immaterial. Right. You got you asked at the very beginning, you know, what does it take to, to for those 21 days? That's it. You got to You just have to have that faith. You got to have that hope. You got to know. So when that's gone. It's all gone. It's all gone. So um, one more on the thousand layaway, just so we can get the the message across, really. If people are thinking that, like you just said, maybe people are thinking I couldn't do this because it would be hundreds of dollars and I can't afford this. No, you could something as little as 10 or $12 can make the difference. And even if people wanted to go together and everybody throw in 10 bucks and pay off somebody's layaway, right? That's possible too. Oh, yeah. 100%. And you don't have to wait till Christmas, by the way. Yeah. Um, there's some kid at Toys R Us that the difference between them having a birthday and not having a birthday is sitting on the shelf over there. And there's there's a small balance on a layaway keeping that from happening. And there's a struggling mom or a struggling dad that's trying to do the best they can. And a helping hand goes a long way. And, you know, that you, you can absolutely do it and you can absolutely do it at any time. And all you have to do is walk in there and go to the service counter and just simply say, I would like to information on paying off the layaway. I uh, see. And another they're going to look at you like you're crazy. Number one. Yeah. Um, and but you know if you if you talk to the manager and tell them what you're trying to do, I'm trying to pay off a layaway anonymously for somebody else. I don't want them to know who I am. I just want to do a nice thing for somebody. That will get you what you want. So two last questions for you before we wrap this up here. One, I'm going to ask you so question so for your first your first instinct response. Okay, what's the biggest lesson you may have learned in business and in life? Uh, fail often, fail forward. Nice. And last, if you could reach back to that 30 year old self who walked out of that business and thinking this one mindset that turned out to be not, not what you needed. Um, but if you could reach back to that 30 year old self, what would you tell him? Would you change it? Would you do it differently? Um, I, w I would not change anything. I can tell you that. And I would also say that I would not have always felt that way. When I went through that process, it was the worst two years of my entire life. Now I look back at it and understand with a lot of perspective that it was the best thing that ever happened to me. The humility of losing everything, um, and the, and the ability to get it all back 
were very, very powerful lessons. I think most people, when they're out there trying to build a business, they're so afraid of failing and doing something wrong that they don't actually do anything, right? They're paralyzed. And the reality of it is, is that if you will get into business or do whatever, go fight for your dream, whatever it is, uh, and be willing to fail, there's so many valuable lessons to learn through that. You're never going to fail if, you, if you're willing to lose it all, fighting for a dream. You're just not going to fail. You're just going to figure out a different way of doing it. So if people want to find out more about you, real estate worldwide, where can they go? Uh, they can hook up with me on kentclothier.com or go find me on Facebook. Just look up Kent Clothier or go to reww.com. Three easy places. Great. Thank you so much for being with us today. It was a big pleasure to speak with you. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Thanks so much. So that wraps up episode number seven. What'd you guys think of that episode? I don't know about you, but I get fired up every time I listen to Kent speak. So if you enjoyed this, if you got value from it, please share it with your friends, share it on social media. Also, make sure you read our featured article and Kent as well. You can check that out in the video interview of this exact episode over at americansnippets.com forward slash 007. Please like, comment, tell us what you think. We love hearing back from our followers. You can also follow Kent on social media at Kent Clothier. Follow him on Snapchat, Instagram, YouTube, and Facebook. And if you want to learn more about Kent's companies, real estate training, software, and personalized coaching, just visit www.americansnippets.com forward slash R-E-W-W for more information and to register for a free webinar training. And lastly, I know it's a little early to be thinking about Christmas, but we would love to have you participate with us in Kent's Thousand Layaways mission. It's an easy, selfless, and big way to make an impact in a child's life and their family's life as well. I'm telling you, it's an empowering feeling, and it's something you don't want to miss. So thanks again for joining us on this episode. Again, this is American Snippets, and we are living, defending, and promoting the American dream. Now go out there and show the world how exceptional you truly are. See you next time.